Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We have been learning about worship by listening in to the throne room of heaven and the book of Revelation, chapter 4, where we see these 24 elders worship. We see these angels worship. And it challenges the way that we worship. Yesterday we saw how the 24 elders leave their thrones and they lay before the throne. They take the crowns off of their heads and they lay before God. And how this is true in our modern day consumeristic mindset of worship and our whole commercialized uh, industry treating worship music like a commodity is utterly antithetical to what the worship of God is according to the Bible and as we'll experience it in the throne room of heaven. Now, every time these angels sing, holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come, which they do day and night, the 24 elders then fall to the ground and they cast their crowns. This is where that band, where Mark Hall's band gets its name from, casting crowns. And they sing something. And that's what we're going to look at right here in Revelation chapter 4. Here's where we started, all right? Here's the holy, holy, holy Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. And this is where the 24 elders then fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and they say, here's verse 11, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Now we touched on this briefly. Look at the look at the nexus between what the cherubim say and what the 24 elders say. The cherubim are praising God, the Almighty. They're saying the highest thing they can about him in the superlative grammatical form, holy, holy, holy. They acknowledge the fact that he is the singular almighty. And then who was, who is, and who is to come speaks to God's timeless nature. Something that's obvious to you and me. This is Romans chapter 1. His eternal power, his divine nature, they are clearly understood from everything that has been made so that man is without excuse. This is obvious to us. We know that nothing comes from nothing. We know that universes don't self-generate ex nihilo. We know it. I've seen several militant anti-Christian atheists come to Christ and they all admit that deep down in the dark alone, they were haunted by the truth of the matter that universes don't self-generate. And we know nothing comes from nothing and therefore we know there is an eternal power a divine nature that has initiated everything that exists, who presides over it, and who is bringing it to a purpose. Could you hear the God who was, who is, and who is to come in that? He was. Universes don't self-generate. He is. He's presiding and stewarding his own creation right now. And who is to come who is bringing it to a completion. The eternal power and divine nature of God have been obvious to us since the dawn of our species. We are without excuse. 
we know this about God. We will suppress that truth like crazy. We can delude ourselves like champs, man. If we want to rationalize some deviant behavior, something that the Bible describes as sinful, we can do that. We can choke down the truth and we can suppress it to get away with wickedness. And if we do that long enough, God will hand us over to a reprobate mind to do what ought not be done. He will hand us to our own devices and he will treat us perfectly fairly. But if by the Holy Spirit of God you confess the truth, there is a God. He was, he is, he is to come. Jesus is his son and Jesus is Lord. You'll get to see what this text is describing with your own then perfected eyes. The timeless nature of God is eternal power. These are denoted in what is sung by the cherubim. And there's a nexus with what the elders proclaim, because the fact that God was, that he is, and he is to come, is how he's able to have created all things. And by his will, they exist and they were created. God was, we were created. He is, we now exist, right? And he is worthy forevermore into the past and the present and in perpetuity into the future. So our Lord means he's the one in charge. He's God. He's worthy. Man, this is straight up worship in heaven. Okay, I'm not making that up. I'm not embellishing. I'm eulogist. This is basic reading comprehension. I see the word worship in verse 10, and this is worship in heaven. He's the Lord. He's God. Okay, please, Christian songwriters, stop making stupid, sappy, Jesus is my girlfriend songs about nature metaphors. I'd sing like this. Somebody somewhere in the Christian music industry, like, please promote a song that has something to do with God's victory over death and hell. Somebody somewhere grow a set and like write a song like this and publish it. Our Lord and God, you are worthy. He's, this is why we worship because he just deserves it. <laughs> worship God. I'm not in the mood. That's irrelevant. He's worthy. I don't feel like getting up and getting to church today. Guess what? He's still worthy to receive the glory. And man, there's a lot of glory that's going to come to God through the course of Revelation, which we'll study next year. This honor, this power. Why? Because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Uh, the very first sermon we ever preached at the Redemption Church uh, is John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Okay, this is the Aristotelian Logos. There he is. See that? I don't believe in God. I believe in logic. Yeah, you do. You believe in the Logos, <laughs> after whom logic is named. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. See this? The timeless nature of Jesus. 
That's another ancient historical um, early church fathers heretical controversy where somebody suggested that there was a time when Jesus was not. And it's one of those stupid heretical arguments that just, it makes you scratch your head as to like why people even had the argument in the first place. But I think we have some of the same arguments happening in the modern church right now. This just dispels it hands down. It's obvious. Like God was with the son and the spirit in the beginning. There was never a time when Jesus did not exist. He was with God in the beginning. That should have been the end of the debate. <laughs> I feel that way about some modern day church debates too. Just, just stinking read. There's no debate. None. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Do you see the, do you see the beautiful harmony between John 1 and the song of the elders in Revelation 4? You've created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, not life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Man, he's the Lord, he's God, he's worthy of worship. And if you are my skeptical friend, you're haunted by the truth of God's eternal power and divine nature. Would you, by that spirit of God that's drawing on your heart, confess the truth, Jesus is Lord, and come sing your very first worship song with us at the Redemption Church this weekend.